Good morning, it's January the 5th. <clears throat> you may be checking in at a different time, but this is day five, essentially. Uh, you can find in the show notes our Bible reading plan. We're going through the scriptures in a year together. Out of those passages, we're picking little pieces to meditate on throughout the day. Again, you can find everything else in the show notes. Today's passages were Genesis chapter 16 through 18, and also Psalm chapter 5. Um, I'm going to hone into... Something that I don't know that we generally look at or think about. Uh, chapter 16 is giving us this background of Abram, him not having a child, being promised by God that he and Sarah or Sarai in the beginning of our reading, uh, God renames her within our passages today to Sarah. Um, but Sarai also... Um, realizes that she's part of the reason that Abram doesn't have a child because it's one of the two of them. They don't know who's responsible or not responsible. Obviously, we believe that it's in God's plan uh, for this to have taken place the way that it did. I think we'll see a lot more of the outflow of that in the reason. Anyway, so Abraham and Sarah, eventually in the chapter, they're not they're not called that. It's still Abram and Sarai, but... Um, Currently, in the midst of God meeting them, calling them out, he declares this promise that they're going to have many heirs and from the from the two of them. Uh, they're going to have kings and rulers on the earth, and you're not going to be able to even count the number of, of those that come out of his line. And when they are tired of waiting... <laughs> They take Sarai's maidservant, Sarai gives her maidservant to Abram so that they might get around in thinking, oh, well, God's not giving us specifically a son. So what if I give my husband my maidservant and then that way we'll have a child in our household, but it wouldn't be the two of their immediate sons. It would really be uh, Hagar's son who ends up coming into the picture. And because of them scooting around this, uh, you know, you you heard or read yourself in the passages that there's a great outfalling that even today um, the two brothers are fighting in many ways. Um, two nations are uh, constantly in disagreements and over the years many battles and wars and difficulties have come out of this. And that's often the line that we fall, we or that we follow, that we watch um, what happens and what has been the outflow of their sin here. And just a couple of notes there. I love that uh, God's mercy is displayed. God doesn't come down and immediately wipe them clean and say, forget about my promises, my covenant. God still keeps his promise to Sarai and to Abram, uh, especially after when he renames them. He gives them their own son still. Uh, Isaac still is born. Isaac still becomes uh, this son that carries on the generational legacy and ultimately is where we get Christ from and the whole nation and all these wonderful things that, uh, you know, are going to follow out and through here. But um, I was taking special notice this morning as I was reading to a question that Hagar is asked when she responds wrongly to 
the beginnings of the consequences of the sin that has taken place. So in many ways, Hagar is almost an innocent bystander to Abram and Sarai's um, misrepresentation, uh, misguidance in life. I mean, she's a servant of theirs and she's in their household and Sarai basically is the one that tells her what to do and when to do it. I mean, she was essentially a slave. And um, for the you know those of you that are tuning in, of course, slavery is never condemned in the scriptures, uh, the way in which we kind of associate with it in our country or have, right? Uh, the freeing of slaves was unbelievable and will never be something that uh, I hope and I hope and pray we never ever go back to. But uh, the, the word of God does still in a way of the definition of what a slave is in someone who submits to others as Christians, we are called to be bond servants. We're called to be slaves of Christ that um, ultimately if God is our authority, um, we use that word because it's become so dirty, right? I, it's, I don't even like using it sometimes, but it's the best description of the word is that I, I'm a servant of, of the Lord, the Lord most high. And, and so in that way, um, you know, Sarah is a part of this household. Um, it's not that God condemns it or doesn't yet in the Old Testament. I think he, he will discuss and talks about this way further on as we continue through. Um, but my, my point is that for the most part, at least in my life, Hagar is really just kind of this innocent bystander. And there's a really cool little thing here in question that the Lord actually meets and asks her, uh, you know, actually the, the, the angel of the Lord, who is really Christ in, uh, before his incarnation, we, we call this a theophany. It's really the first theophany. It's the, it's the first appearance of Jesus um, in the scriptures that we have. There are going to be many more in the Old Testament um, before he is born as a man. And so remember Christ is eternal. Uh, many false religions believe that God had a son and so Christ didn't exist before he was born. Um, but we believe and see and this the angel of the Lord is actually Jesus. It's it's a it's not a debated thing anymore. But I want to get into um, what's grabbing a hold of my heart and the question I'm going to be asking myself today uh, and meditating and thinking about here. And it's specifically chapters 16, uh, verses 6 through, I eh, will go through 8 this morning. It reads, so Abram said to Sarai, indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. So what do we have here? We got a relational issue. <laughs> we, have, we have a relational problem. And we all know that we either stay and deal with it or we run. I don't know about you, but more often than not, I run. I run a lot. And I'm going to be asking myself today, have I been running recently? Have I run from things that I probably needed to stick around and fight through and talk through? Um, uh, let me keep going. Sarai dealt harshly with her. She fled from her presence. So 
Hagar's response is to run, and she literally flees. Now, we're talking about she doesn't have a car. She's not hopping on a bus. She's not, you know, call, she's not scheduling an Uber. She's getting out and, and taking a long journey on foot. And it says, now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. Now, if you're journeying for a long period of time, obviously she's going to be exhausted. She's already emotionally exhausted. And you know what it's like. It's one thing to be physically exhausted. It's another thing to be emotionally and physically exhausted. And when you find a place that you can get some rest, you go there. And it's interesting to me that she stops by a spring of water in the wilderness. Now, the wilderness is a place that is often barren. There isn't much around. There aren't dwelling places. There's not like she's in a city where there's people around and, you know, opportunities for her to beg or to, you know, receive things from anyone. She's going where there is provision for her, but she's nonetheless in a wilderness. And inside of that wilderness, specifically here, you would stop by a spring because you wouldn't be able to get water anywhere else unless you were around bodies of water that would be able to be drunken from. And so she's stopping by a spring in the wilderness. But it's funny because how many times in the Bible or have you heard that we talk about streams of living water? That uh, even even the good shepherd, right? Psalm 91, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Where does he lead us? By streams of living water. There's a place of refreshment, of nourishment, and I love that Hagar is running and she runs and she stops by a spring, the Bible tells us, and that's where Jesus meets her. She's running in disobedience. She's, she's, she's running from responsibility. She's running from in a way that she never should have been running from. And she stops and God has grace and mercy on her. She's, she's being refreshed and nourished. Obviously, she's probably finally sitting down after running for a period of time. I don't, I don't, I mean, for me, I gotta be careful. I'm, I'm going to speak on my own here. Maybe you can relate, but, um, when, when I have any, uh, a relational issue and I get upset about it, there's that initial just surge of feeling and outflow and literally that, that adrenaline rush um, and you get the anger and the hurt and the pain, and it's just so mixed that it's like this big whirlwind. You got to remember, she's probably running from this, right? She's here. She's like, she's like, this woman told me to go into her husband. I I obeyed her out of my obedience. Now she's mad with me. Now she's mad at me, and and like this is crazy. Can you imagine the emotion that is going on? She's exhausted. This woman, and she finds a spring of water. On the way to sure, she's probably running home. She's running to a place of comfort, um, a place of solitude, a place away from the current dysfunction. This dysfunction everywhere we go, right? <laughs> Let's just be honest. The reality is when we run, we think we're running to some place of solace, but even there, if we're alone, um, there's chaos inside of us that needs to constantly be dealt with. Ultimately, that's really where it is. But so the angel of the Lord, Jesus found her by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. And he asks her this question. And this is where I kind of started. It just kind of struck me. He said, Hagar, 
Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? Now, it's so interesting because Hagar has become the wife of Abram. So Sarai gave Hagar to her husband to be his wife so that he might be able to bear a child to thwart or to get around what they thought was lacking in God's promise to them. Yet the angel of the Lord doesn't say, Hagar, Abram's wife. He calls her the most humble position. You know, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are always called to be servants of all. You know, I'm a pastor. I'm a, I'm, I'm a lead pastor. And I'm coming into this place. I, I fight it constantly where so many have placed my position and my role in a higher pedestal. And yeah, there are, you know, there are higher responsibilities and, and you know, there's definitely an honor that comes with it. But the Bible could never be more clear that the role that Jesus modeled as a shepherd, as a ruler, as a leader, is he stooped down to the lowest place of humility. And we all are called to do that. We're called to be servants of all. And and there's a, you know, there's a part of this like American Christianity that that gets into our head where we like think where we work ourselves to the top. And the reality is that the Christian walk, the Christian sojourn is more of a, a walk and a, and a bowing down to the bottom more so than it is a rising to the top. Um, you know, even, even the promise that when we are made a low, then we will be raised up on wings like eagles, right? There's this constant juxtaposition to those two things. And even, you know, Jesus here, the angel of the Lord, doesn't doesn't even hesitate to remind her of her lowliest position. He could he could have said Abram, "Hey, let me encourage you. Let me remind you of of the place that you're in now. You're you're Abram's wife. You're going to have Abram's child." He doesn't do that. He calls her by her most humble position. And the question that he asks her is, where have you come from and where are you going? And that's what I'm going to be asking myself today. I'm going to encourage you to be asking yourself that very same question today. Where have you come from and where are you going? I think what's happening here is God is asking Hagar, what are you running from? What are you ignoring? What are, what are you, instead of facing directly, relying on my promises by faith walking through, what, do you, what have you turned from and are running from right now? I talk about it a lot. We have, we have these freedoms in our country that really give us opportunity to pick up and go anywhere. Um, there's a, someone in, in my wife and, and my life that we know um, – We've been ministering to. I'm not sure that they're actually a, a Christian or not, um, but in the years that we've known them, they went through a very difficult, trying time, and out of these circumstances, um, came into a lot of money. And the first thing they did with their money 
was they took it and they moved to the opposite side of the nation, away from family, away from anyone. And they purchased a home in the wilderness. And a, a lot of it was something that they talked about consistently, right? Just needing to get away, just needing to get what is due to me so that I can get away. And they've been away now for six, seven months, really in the middle of the pandemic that it hit. And we, in speaking with them recently, um, you know, how do you think they feel? They feel alone. And they're dealing with the reality that when we run, we're never really able to run from our problems because we're just as much a part of the issues that are going on. And I love the Lord's hand in this. I mean, you have to, you have to, like, this is, this is amazing that God meets with each of us in our place. He's got a way of doing that. You know, the Bible even talks about God uh, chastening those whom he loves. Like, if you're a part of the household of God, a part of God's love towards us is dealing with us in our wrong responses, in our sin. I'm going to leave you with that. I, that's enough for me. Um, there's some great material, I'm sure. I found, I found a couple of things. You know, Hagar responds. She says, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. I don't want to deal with her. And so I'm fleeing from her presence. And even here, there's still kind of this, she's my mistress now. And she is by Sarai's fault. It's not even Hagar's fart, fault. She's been made a, she's been made a shame in, in this instance. And so, um, oh, it's just, just, uh, a crazy, crazy question here. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they will not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you're with child. You will bear a son. You will call his name Ishmael because the Lord, he, he gives her all these promises. So he meets her in this wilderness, this place where she thinks she's running. She's getting away from the issues at hand. Um, he calls her out on her running. He shows her mercy and says, will you return, please? There's a child in your womb. Yes, this is a terrible situation. And there is going to be responsibility that has to be had. There's going to be uh, much heartache. There's going to be an outflow of this sin. There's always consequences to our sin. But the mercy of God is still able to meet us in those consequences. And we're called to submit to him in those consequences. In fact, that's the best place that we can be when we realize that we have uh, wrongfully responded. And even in our part, there's going to be consequences for it. Or the situation we're trying to run from, it seems like it's really a really bad situation and, and, and that the only thing we can do is to get away, that the promise of God, the mercy of God meets us in what still is probably going to come from the sin. Um, it's one of the things that I think is so wrongly proclaimed by so much of the prosperity gospel is this idea that... God never wants us to face difficulties in life. And I think this, al this alone, you don't, even, you don't even have to go any further with it. The reality is God meets her in her wrong response, says go back to the hard situation. He promises that, that her son's going to be a wild man. He will be against every man. 
Every man's hand will be against him and he will dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. But he also gives her the promise that in that curse, there's also a blessing. And so in the curse that happens between these three and their children because of Sarai and Abram's sin that's affected other people now, God doesn't say, hey, I forgive you. I'm going to wipe the slate clean and let's pretend like it never happened. God's sovereignty, God's mercy, God's grace meets them in the messiness of the life that we call a sojourn. I'm going to leave you with that. There's a question again. Where have you come from? And where are you going? God bless you. And uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. Day six, we're getting there. Stick through. Um, all the links are in the bottom. Remember, Bible read. Um, you can follow along. You can not follow along. You can just uh, listen to these things and kind of be encouraged in the morning. Wherever you find yourself in the journey, I hope that you're you're uh, walking with us. You know that you're not alone walking in this, that there are others joining us. And as we kind of continue on in the weeks, we're going to do our best to kind of include one another and, and provide opportunity for looking at the chats and sending in some messages and talking live here and there. So I hope you can join us. I hope you stick along for the journey and that you are blessed beyond measure in the ways that the Lord promises and desires for us to be blessed uh, as those that walk according to the path of righteousness. Love you. Have a wonderful day today. Meditate on the scriptures this day and the evening to come. Um, I'd encourage you to read Psalm 5 because there's a, there's a really cool blessing about uh, meditating on the word day and night and then wake up in the, waking in the morning to it. So uh, just some cool stuff. See you.